Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place, South Tampa Campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. My name is Tracy Irwin, and um, I have been part of the Resting Place from the beginning, and I'm super honored to just be here with you guys today. A little bit about my background, just really briefly, because I want to get right into the Word. Um, I just believe there's anemia with the Word of God, right? We need the Word. We need the bread of life. We need, we need His Spirit, yes, but we need to eat and drink, right? We just drink, drink, drink all the time. What happens, you know? So we need the word of God to feed us. We need the word of God to direct us, to align us, to be able to know what God is saying, right? We got we to gotta know the word because there's a lot of deception out there, a lot of lies that we believe. We can look at the word and know what the truth is. I want you to always know that. If you want to know the truth, it's in the word. Okay, but I did not get saved until I was 26 years old. No, yeah, I was 26. I was uh, baptized at Easter in 1994, and um, I am wild as well, but just in a different way. Uh, I was super wild in the world, so just imagine that. Uh, yeah, I, I really, you know, I was the girl that's like, oh, I'll try anything once. And I pretty much did. And so I just, I had this whole history of just being super wild, super rebellious. And then I, I met the Lord and then I met the Holy Spirit. And I was like, wow, Holy Spirit is wild. I love this. I get to be wild for the Lord, and I am. I'm so wild about him because, oh, gosh, like you wouldn't even know me if you had met me back then. I'm sure we all have those similar stories, you know. Uh, But that's what he does. He transforms us. That's Jesus. We don't ever stay the same, especially when we encounter his word. So we're going to encounter his word this morning. So I, we won't have the scriptures on the screen. So if you have a Bible, you can get it out. We're going to be in, um, let me get to the scripture, John 4. So even you can get your phones out. John 4, we're going to be in verses 1 through 30 today. So I'm going to be coming to you this morning and talking to you about the woman at the well. And so we're going to go on a journey together. Will you go on a journey with me? And let's just dig into this and see, see what's going on here. I'm going to give you some cultural context because it does matter. Culture doesn't dictate, but it matters to us to understand so we can see uh, through the lens of the time that this was written. Um, and we can see for where it applies for us today in today's culture. Um, you have to understand that Jesus stepped into a system that already existed, Okay. So I want you to just imagine him coming to the well. He is stepping into a system that already existed. He didn't come on the scene to create a coup like everybody expected him to. Think about it. They were waiting for him. They didn't recognize him, but they were waiting for someone to come and overthrow the system. That's 
what they were waiting for. That's how they wanted him to come, to overthrow the system, to wipe it out. But Jesus stepped into the system, but he came to people. That's what he did. That was his ministry. He stepped into a system, not to overthrow it, but he came to people. Jesus was a Galilean Jew, so that's where he that's where he was raised and grown, and he grew up with the customs of that time. He grew up in the Jewish culture. He was even circumcised as a baby, as it was custom in Luke 2.21. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So I say that because we got to understand that he himself who could have overthrown the system, did not. He lived in that culture. He lived within the Jewish system. Cultural context matters. It especially matters in this case of the woman at the well. What do we know about her? Well, she was a Samaritan woman. And why did the Jewish community have nothing to do with Samaritans? Because that was the culture. The Jews of Jesus' day disliked the Samaritans because of their religious beliefs. They had a combination of different forms of beliefs or practices, and also because their mixed racial heritage. And that was, that was frowned upon. In that time, mixed races was frowned upon even then. We don't see that much difference today, honestly. So... The temple in uh, Samaria was destroyed in 129 B.C. by the Jews. So here we are, rebuilding animosity between these two people groups, the Jews and the Samaritans. Adding to the hostility between the two groups, this is what added to that. Samaritans accused the Jews of corrupting the Torah. And the Jews were big defenders of the descendants of David being the chosen ones to be the leaders of the people. So here we have, you know, elitism. So the Samaritans were looked down upon for the, the people that they were. Um, so the Jews worshipped on Mount Moriah by the Temple Mount, and the Samaritans said, no, worship is at Mount Gerizim. So this is what Jesus stepped into, a whole lot of doo-doo. Was it going on? And as a Jew, he had no business going to Samaria or even scandalous talking to a Samaritan woman. That just was not something you did. Jews did not do that. So I mention all this because here we have Jesus, as we will read, making his way, passing through Samaria. It's not by accident that he passed through Samaria. We read it, and the lens that we read this scripture with is like, oh, well, you know, he had to go through. No, it was planned. <laughs> it was not by accident, and it wasn't to dismantle a system. He was passing through Samaria for a person. So let's read, and we'll break this down. The news quickly reached the Jewish religious leaders known as the Pharisees that Jesus was drawing greater crowds of followers coming to be baptized than John, although Jesus himself didn't baptize but only his disciples. 
Jesus heard what was being said and abruptly left Judea and returned to the province of Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. Jesus arrived at the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Wearied by his long journey, he sat on the edge of Jacob's well and sent his disciples into the village to buy food, for it was already afternoon. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. She replied, Why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? Remember, for the Jews had no dealings with Samaritans at all. Jesus replied, If you only knew who I am and the gift of God wants to give you, you'd ask me for a drink, and I would give you living water. Come on. If you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, if you only knew. The woman replied, but sir, you don't even have a bucket, and the well is very deep. So where do you find this living water? I love this. Do you really think that you are greater than our ancestors Jacob, who dug this well and drank it from himself, along with his children and livestock? That's pretty bold for her to say that. Jesus answered, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again. But if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never be thirsty again. I know y'all are already drawing conclusions because this is not the first time you've probably heard this story, but I'm about to give you a different perspective of it. Because yes, he's talking to her about eternal life, but there's more to this, and, and we'll get into it for a minute. But I, I love it because we're already, already putting it in a box. And I, who likes boxes? I do. I love to put things in boxes. But he's about to break our boxes. So, <laughs> For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit flooding you with endless life. The woman replied, let me drink that water so I'll never be thirsty again and won't have to come back here to draw water. <laughs> and Jesus said, Go get your husband and bring him back here. And she says, but I'm not married. That's true, Jesus said, for you've been married five times, and now you're living with a man who is not your husband. You have told the truth. The woman changed the subject. You must be a prophet. So tell me this. Why do our fathers worship God on the nearby mountain, but your people teach that Jerusalem is the place where we must worship. Who's right? Okay, first of all, do you notice here how she changes the subject? She very quickly changes the subject. He, he reads her mail, and he describes back to her what she already knows, which is the situation that she has been dealt with and that she is living through. But she doesn't want to talk about that. <laughs> and she doesn't, still does not recognize him. She calls him Sir prophet but not lord and now she's arguing with him 
who is right? She wants to know about which mountain you're supposed to worship on. He's like offering her eternal life, and she's not catching it yet. She's not understanding. She's still thinking earthly realm. He's speaking spiritually. She's thinking earthly. Can you relate? How many times does he come to us to help us understand the spiritual dynamic, the spiritual realm, and we're still thinking earthly realm? A lot like Abraham was describing about the church today. Much of the church today is thinking earthly realm, westernized culture. We, we living, this is what we're living in. The Lord never came to be in a westernized culture. Still, right? It's, it's the spirit. It's the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit came, wants to come to his people. I'm not saying systems are bad. Systems do deliver what the Lord wants to be delivered. I wouldn't even be here without a system. Amen. But it's, it's systems that are elevated um, and not submitted to the Lord. That's not, that's not good. So Jesus responds to her question, who is right? And he says, believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you will worship the Father neither on the mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. Come on. Your people don't really know the one they worship. But the Jews worship out of our experience. For it's from the Jews that salvation is available. From now on, worshiping the Father will not be the, the matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshipers who adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. So here he's introducing a different context of worship. It starts here. It has nothing to do with where you go to worship. It has to do with why you're worshiping. Going from an external culture, right, to an internal truth, right? That's what he's, that's what he's showing us in this scripture. The woman says... This is also confusing, but I do know that the anointed one is coming, the true Messiah, and when he comes, he will tell us everything we need to know. <laughs> so he, think about this. The Messiah is listening to her talking about him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Jesus said to her, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here speaking with you. I am the one you're looking for. Whoa. Whoa. So he, he reveals himself to her because she's not getting it. So he has to reveal himself. At that moment, his disciples returned and were stunned to see Jesus speaking with a Samaritan woman. Like, has Jesus lost his ever-loving mind? What is he doing? Oh, my gosh, I can't believe we're following this guy. He's breaking all the rules. <laughs> He's such a rebel. I don't know. Yet none of them dared to ask him why or what they were discussing. They're like, we ain't touching this. All at once, the woman left her water jar and ran off to her village and told everyone. 
Come and meet the man at the well who told me everything I've done. He could be the one we've been waiting for. Hearing this, the people came streaming out of the villages to go see Jesus. So we're going to break this down. Here we have a woman drawing water all by herself. Typically, women would not do that. They would go to gather water together. They would do it in groups. But because of her checkered life, she was ostracized in her village, in her own community. So think about that. Here's a woman. She's Samaritan. So she's the lowest of the lowest in society. But even within her own village, with all the other people that are just like her, she's even more rejected. So what do you think her prospects were and what she could hope for for the future? Probably not a lot, yeah? There was probably a lot of hopelessness. But she was waiting for the Messiah. She even said so. We're waiting on the one who's going to tell us everything. So I think she did have a spark of hope there. So, you know, those of us who've experienced rejection, even self-rejection, the marginalized, those that consider themselves nothing important, I think we've all been there, right? I know I have. He came as a well. He came as a well. He is coming to this region as a well. She calls him sir, not lord. She does not recognize the one who is sitting on the well. The well who is sitting on the well. The living water sitting on Jacob's well asking for a drink. She recognizes a Jewish man is talking to her. And she's a Samaritan woman and knows that's forbidden. She knows that, right? So I want to ask you, when opportunities are presented to us, we may not always recognize this as the well, as a divine setup. There's a lot of examples I can give uh, just in the way Jesus may come and you don't, you don't recognize them. And I, I think what I want to say, even me speaking here today, you see me. My prayer is that you would hear Jesus. You're seeing me, but that you would hear Jesus. But a lot of, t- a lot of times we unconsciously, or subconsciously, sorry, subconsciously think I'm just a person speaking, but is Jesus coming to you today as a well through me? Do you see it that way? When people are standing up here at the end waiting to pray for you, do you consider them like the second-hand experience of Jesus, or are they a well standing up here? Is this a divine setup? Think about it. Just think about all the different ways maybe God has used something outside of what you thought to get to you. What has he done in your life to get to you? Maybe you're sitting here today. Maybe someone invited you, or you just, you're here. You're not here by accident. God brought you here to get to you to present himself to you as a well. That's why you're here. Not only did she not recognize him, she corrected him about being in the wrong place. That's what that was. You're in the wrong place, dude. You're a Jewish man 
talking to a Samaritan woman, oh, how we put opportunities in a box. We cut off possibilities that are in Christ by only seeing one way. We're only seeing one way. We, we don't think it, but we are. I'm telling you guys, I love boxes, but it's getting me in trouble because I'm limiting the way I see God or the way I see people even. Will we recognize him? Will we receive him in the way he wants to come? This is the way he chose to come to her. Uncomfortable. That was extremely taboo what he did. So he marched right in as an as a extreme discomfort. This was a not comfortable situation for her. She was already uncomfortable. So she has to deal with this man talking to her on top of that. Come on. She's already been ostracized. Now she's going to be seen talking to a Jewish man? Will we recognize him and will we receive him the way he wants to come? So when Jesus responds to her state, a statement about worship, she's speaking in the natural realm, and Jesus is speaking to her from another realm. That happened a lot in the context of how he came in that time. He was always speaking from another realm, and they were always speaking from their system. The Samaritans and Jews were throwing stones at each other. Each camp think that they are right, right? We worship on Mount Moriah. Well, no, worship belongs here. And so each one thinks they're right, and Jesus says, you're all wrong. (laughs) What you thought five years ago, is that what you think today? (laughs) He's challenging our thinking and what we think we know. Sound like anything going on today? What each of us think we know can be a stumbling block to actually receiving the truth from Jesus. We have to be willing to lay down what we think we know. So maybe today's the day. You just, I'm a thinker. Um, I like to think a lot. I enjoy theology. I enjoy thinking. I enjoy studying. I enjoy history. But I have to be willing to lay that down to actually receive from Jesus because he's going to speak to me from another realm that I don't understand. Abraham does. So I need to hang out with Abraham more. But for the majority of people, it's not so. And so there, there is a laying down. So in this exchange, let's just ponder together the potential that was placed in front of her. She went from a despised woman drawing water Um, Then Jesus reveals himself to her, and um, he says to her, I am the one that you're waiting for. This implies she was waiting. What are you waiting for? This implies that she was waiting for the one who was told was coming. This is the promised one, the deliverer of the Jewish nation. She just met her rescuer. And do you know who she was? Her name is Potini. If you've never heard of her, her name is Potini. She's one of the first active apostles, and she is responsible for her whole town receiving salvation. 
So her individual encounter actually transformed her region. Your individual encounter isn't just for you. What you are sitting here today receiving is not just for you. It is for this whole region. What happens in here has to come out. So today, I'm telling you, the Lord is expanding our capacity of his realm. Everything he was saying, everything Frankie was releasing in worship is exactly what the Lord, we have not talked to each other, we have not shared notes, but the Lord said, today, I am telling you, I'm expanding the capacity for you to understand my realm. I'm speaking to those today that feel there is more but haven't experienced it yet. You know there's more. I know that you know this. You know in your spirit. You may not think it here, but you know in your spirit you know there's more, but you haven't experienced yet. That's what I'm talking to today. Maybe your walks become dull. You know too much. (laughs) And your walk has become an education instead of encounter. Come on. We can educate ourselves right out of understanding experiencing him there's a dissatisfaction in the body of Christ right now there's a dissatisfaction you feel your pain and sufferings too much let me tell you your pain and suffering escorts you into the love of God and he's calling you into the deep it is not for nothing he uses everything for our good You haven't recognized him yet. He said, if you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give to you. He's telling you that. Frankie, if you only knew who I was and the gift of God that wants to give to you. I want you to just personalize that. Ilian, if you only knew if you only knew who he was and the gift that God wants to give you. Can you hear his heart? If you only knew. Let me tell you. When they are standing here waiting to pray for you, that is a gift of God that you are not recognizing. When your spouse or your friend is trying to encourage or strengthen you, that is a gift of God. We sometimes just don't recognize that we see them. We don't see the gift of God in them, (coughs) through them. Sorry. Can someone get me water? When week after week, your pastor releases the word of the Lord for your journey with Jesus, maybe you're not recognizing that as a gift of God offering living water. I do the same thing. I I put everything in a box. I'm like, this is Pastor Abraham preaching the word. I don't go, this is a gift of God who wants to give something to me. I don't do that intentionally. I don't. But what if we did? What if we did that? I wonder what would happen. 
this is all new to me. I mean, like, I'm studying the word, and I'm like, wow, this is really wild. Like, I want to try this out and see what happens. Because it's human nature to put things in boxes because we are trying to understand, you know? And, you know, there's our experiences, there's our backgrounds, all that comes in into consideration. But I feel like there's something here about him wanting to come to us as a well and understanding the gift that he wants to be to us in ways we've not recognized, right? He's expanding it. So when we don't recognize the gift of God offering us living water, we're missing out. So come on. Jesus is God, is he not? I hope, I hope everyone says yes to that. Jesus is God. So it says in the word. The Almighty. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the author of life. He's the bread from heaven. He's the bread of life. He's the chief shepherd. He's the deliverer. Emmanuel. He's the gate. The heir of all things. He's the horn of salvation. Come on, this is the gift we're talking about. He is the I am. He is the lamb of God. The last Adam that undid everything from the first Adam. He's the light of the world. He's the light of the tribe of Judah. He is the Lord of all. He is the Lord of glory. He is the master. He is the mediator. He's the Messiah. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the resurrection and life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. That is the gift. That is the gift. The love of God was set in ways we don't recognize. But when we receive it, it gives us an ascended heart. We ascend to the heavens. I want to ask you, have you been looking for bliss? Have you been looking for joy? Have you even been looking for enjoyment, for answers, for freedom, for groundedness, for peace? The one you've been waiting for is right here. What part of your life needs a drink to come alive to Christ again? Don't stay in your situation with your disappointments and pain. Don't settle for the cultural norm. We have a form of westernized way of doing church, and it was never meant to be that way. The cultural norm is live your life throughout the week and then come on Sunday and get the feels. Get encouraged. But Monday through Saturday still looks the same. Come on, guys. We're made for more than that. Resurrection Christ in us should look like something. It should look like something. And I'm here to make you uncomfortable. What does your life look like Monday through Saturday? Has anything changed? When you leave here, is anything going to change tomorrow? In this moment is not what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about what your life's going to look like tomorrow. And the next day, and the next day, will you remember this? Will you receive him? Will you access what's available to yours? What area of your life you're still doing the same thing that is not producing the fruit of the Lord? You were created to bear fruit. I'm telling you, we all have at least one area. I do. I'm not speaking to you. I'm not coming to you as someone who has it all together. I'm preaching to myself. 
I'm speaking to those that feel there is more but haven't experienced yet. I'm speaking to those who maybe your walk has become dull. I'm speaking to those who think that they know too much and they're educated instead of encountering the Lord. That your, your walk has become an education and not an encounter. I'm talking to those who are dissatisfied. I'm talking to those who have pain and suffering and disappointment. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to do two things this week. Say two things. It can start today. I want you to receive prayer. Your living water can come through Christ and Frankie, Christ and Ilian, right? Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope of glory. It can start today. So I want you to receive prayer today, but I want you to spend time this week asking the Lord to illuminate an area that has not received living water, that hasn't come alive to Christ in your beliefs or in your actions, and then ask the Lord to bring his living water to activate his resurrection power in you. Then sometime this week, I want you to share one of your encounters that you had with God with someone who may not know the Lord. Come on. He came to you in your time of pain, and now we need to share that with someone who may not know God because your individual encounter has regional impact when we go, when we go and share. What Pastor Abraham shares has an impact And it's okay if you've heard all his stories, but imagine someone who, like the Samaritan woman, has not heard that the Messiah has come. Imagine what that feels like to that person. It is living water. There are people in our midst who are struggling. So two things, prayer during the week, ask the Lord to show you what area that needs living water, that needs that transformation and then share. Well, that's three things. So I'm not good at math. Math is hard. And then share that with somebody. Share it. Share it afraid. Take a friend with you. Share. Share it. This is what she did. Potini shared her encounter. And look at the impact it had. She was just one person. A whole village got saved. Imagine South Tampa as the village. Imagine. Abraham cannot do it all. Come on. The people in your circle are not the people in his circle. So if I can get the prayer team to come up. If you're in leadership, you're prayer team. (laughs) Come on up. I'll call you up. Come on. Maybe even um, Juliana, can you come up too? awesome. So I'm going to close. I'm going to pray, but I want you to come up and receive prayer. Come on. Father, I thank you. Thank you for your word. God, may we know your word more and more because your word is living and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces and it makes us come alive to you in a way nothing else can. So we thank you. We thank you for your word given to us today, made alive to us. 
that it convicts us and heals us. That it shows us grace and mercy and moves us all at the same time. Move us, Lord. Move the needle. Move us from where we are to where you want us to be. And I just, I pray right now with every heart, maybe put your hand on your heart. Oh, Jesus, I want to receive the well, the gift, the gift of God that is coming to me. So I just lay down every box I've created so that I can recognize when you come. I can recognize it in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place South Tampa Campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.